Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, and welcome to The Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette. And joining me is my good friend and co-host Joshua Gray. Hi, John. How's it going? Yeah, it's going I'm very excited for this show. Me too. Yeah, we have uh, our first guest that we've ever had on the show, and returning again to give us kind of an update on how everything's going here at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We have Mr. Bill Karen. He is, of course, the uh, director and executive CEO of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. He's the man. Yeah, <laughs> he's the man. I'm the, I, I'm... I really wanted to play like the Killers song, "The Man." underneath this portion of the show but you know rights issues and things like that and i don't have enough money to license music so yeah and i don't think you have enough money to <laughs> no, license music I, because I, that's I, it's your money <laughs> I, I would argue i'm the least important person uh, here in this healthcare system well you know here we've had you know a number of returning guests we've had you know dr dr daisley and dr com come on numerous times to give us updates on covid um but you're the best person to give us the, the overview from the top down on how things are going here locally, how things are going within the region, of course, you know, kind of echoing some of those priorities that uh, Secretary McDonough has mm-hmm. for the Department of Veteran Affairs as a whole. So from, you know, thousand point view, what's the current state of VA Southern Nevada healthcare system? Oh, that's an open-ended, broad-based question. Um, you know, every time... Every time we think we've hit this uh, this stride, this new normal, that we get thrown another curveball. And I, I was talking to some individuals earlier today saying, boy, a year ago we were talking about the holiday season and having to be a bit of a, a Grinch uh, because of the challenges with uh, physical distancing and making sure that we're keeping our staff safe, veterans safe. We were thinking, fast forwarding a year, boy, vaccines and all those things would break us out of this. and. We could be a little, maybe a little more festive this year, but that just hasn't uh, hasn't been the case uh, for obvious reasons. We've seen wave after wave, uh, surge after surge of COVID. We've still continued, you know, to to be living in that um, that scenario 22 months later. So, I'd say that the current state is still prime directive one is keep our staff safe, keep our veterans safe um, as this pandemic becomes endemic, uh, just meaning that it's something that's with us day-to-day are certainly our provider staff, nursing staff, uh, healthcare system staff in general taking care of all these patients. We've learned to adjust and just make sure that we take care of one another and take care of our patients. The, the volumes haven't decreased a great deal, uh, especially the past couple months. We've had anywhere from 10 up to 15 in-house at any given time, and that has become our new normal. Uh, so the state of affairs is one of we live with COVID, we take care of our patients, but now we're simultaneously managing the return of patients that had delayed or deferred care, for, you know, coming on almost two years ago, uh, getting our clinics doors wide open, making sure we have access to primary care, mental health, all the specialty care, all the, all the allied health care that's out there. So that's currently where we're at is just focusing on access, uh, safety, quality, as I mentioned earlier, and, and making sure that we try and uh, create a positive experience, even though we're dealing with this pandemic. So you mentioned kind of a little bit about where we all thought we were going to be a year ago as we sit here today, right? right. We, we thought, hey, vaccines are here and we're going to be done with this, right? right? 
Um, and, and that is proven, as you mentioned, not to be the case. So from, from your perspective, from a leadership perspective, how do you keep people going forward? How do you keep people motivated when we are not in a position that a year ago, with all of the optimism that we had with vaccines starting to roll out, that we're still doing this? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it, the future is still bright. Um, you know, I believe firmly in, in this country and, and the work that we've done. We're celebrating uh, you know, Pearl Harbor anniversary today, reflecting on those um, those heroes uh, from World War II and everything that this nation's gone through. And this has been a certainly a battle, a, a war of some sorts r- raging through this pandemic. But the, the future is bright. The the advancements of the vaccines, the boosters that are now out, uh, the ability to tweak these vaccines over time is just tremendous. Our therapeutics, you know, going from one monoclonal antibody to several now that that can be offered depending on what we're dealing with from a variant standpoint. And now the therapeutics that are starting to come online uh, as a few different pharmaceutical companies, both Merck and Pfizer are pushing through the the oral therapeutics. So I, I think as challenging as this has been, uh, we'll still continue to do great work and we will get through this. We're, we're a resilient bunch. And that's probably what I'm most proud of in this healthcare system is that commitment to taking care of our veterans one day at a time, one veteran at a time. The resiliency that's been demonstrated here is just, uh, it's just phenomenal. I was walking the floors yesterday and most of, most if not all of Five East I had COVID inpatients in there, and the nursing staff, uh, you know, head is high, heads are high. The imaging staff, lab, radiology people coming through, uh, the respiratory therapists, all those folks, just heads high, taking care of themselves. You know, using the right protective equipment, taking care of our veterans. Uh, so we're resilient. We, we'll get through this. Uh, we're learning more and more about this virus every single day. So we just keep marching forward. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a testament to the resilience that you see in, you know, nursing staff with, you know, all, all of our services. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a long year and a half, two years almost <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and you've, you've kind of weathered that throughout your, your time here. You know, you, you came back right before, <laughs> yeah, before the outbreak. The, ni- the 90-day uh, plan or 180-day plan uh, quickly shifted because within, uh, w- within my – so I think it was my eighth month here, boom, you know, it was, it, it, COVID was here. So our trajectory for the future has been modified a little bit, um, but not in a bad way. We just adjust, we flex, we adapt. But that, uh, that resiliency, I know we keep using that word, just to simultaneously manage COVID, take care of our staff, take care of our veterans. And then the moving forward part was to open the doors back up um, to get some normal ops going again. Uh, we're almost there, not quite back to where we were in fiscal year 19, uh, but pretty doggone close. Surpassed it in many areas, uh, still a little bit behind in some other areas, uh, but working on that every day. So, you know, with this being almost the new year, you know, we kind of reflect back on specifically this past year. It's, you know, it's hard to, to single out 2021 when so many of the things in 2021, you know, stem from things in 2020. But right. looking back at 2021, you know, it's really been the year of the vaccine. Yes. You know, we've you know had now over 65 or 65,000 doses of COVID-19 vaccines given out here. Um, at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System, you know, through our outreach clinics and, and at some of our PCCs as well. Um, you know, what are some of the biggest accomplishments or things that you're proud of specifically within this last calendar year, especially in regards to the rollout of the vaccine? Yeah, especially that. I mean, that was a, a turning point, certainly a, um, 
it was a shot in the arm, no, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> to, to get people uh, excited and hopeful and optimistic for the future. And it has proven to be so. We still currently, you know, it ranges anywhere from 50 to 80 percent of those that are, that are hospitalized here within our own healthcare system, they're typically unvaccinated uh, if they're hospitalized with COVID. So we're seeing the, the powerful effectiveness of, of those vaccines. But that rollout, getting the point of dispensation teed up and ready to go was just um, was phenomenal. Uh, we had to make some adjustments along the way because we were struggling with some of the physical distancing with some of the lines because we had such high demand when the vaccines first rolled out. But the ability to schedule that mass group of people, the comms side of it, the communications piece, getting it out there to our veterans, um, setting up the, the, the lines, the text messaging, working through the data to say, here's our most at risk matrix of populations, and then working through there, boom, 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 just in a, just in a synchronous fashion was pretty, uh, pretty tremendous. And again, not a testament to me, but to the, to the fine individuals that were ready uh, to roll up their sleeves and get that work done. But, you know, it's something that goes back farther than even before 2020 when we had, you know, our emergency management teams led right. by Felix Acevedo. Yep. I mean, they, they've been doing this every year. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that is something that, that we've prepared for. And I think some of, you know, some of that is a testament to the leadership that has, has put them in place to do that. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've <laughs> For those that have worked in the private sector, um, and I spent about half my career in the private sector after coming out of the military and then certainly returning to VA some years ago. When we talk about emergency management, when you're in the federal sector, whether it's VA or DOD, we do emergency management on steroids. <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we do it. We do it big time. We commit resources to it and we practice, practice, practice. We train, we simulate tabletops and the point of dispensation, the pod exercises was something that uh, Dr. Acevedo and, and the, the teammates here very, very proud of because y you never knew if you were going to run into that situation where you'd have to do mass vaccinations or mass decon or mm -hmm. some of those types of things. So just tremendous work. And this segued right into day-to-day uh, -day operations for us because now we're vaccinating influenza as well as uh, COVID, you know, COVID shot one, COVID shot mm -hmm. two, and boosters now. And uh, the train just keeps rolling. And as a friendly reminder, if you haven't gotten your booster, haven't gotten your original dose of vaccine or your flu shot, we are still giving all of those here at the VAMC. So what are some of the opportunities that you've seen that we, you know, can maybe improve on going into 2022? Uh, you know, access has, has been the, um, has been the sticky wicket, not just here, but in the, in the Valley of, of Las Vegas. And, and frankly, you're seeing that across the network and even across the country because of that pent up demand for healthcare, because we, we, we locked the place down, the country down uh, with the exception of taking care of COVID. So a lot of those electives and a lot of medical care was just deferred for a while. So you have that um, return of care and then you had a, a big demographic shift. We've seen a lot of people with the use of telework, they're moving. Um, so many uh, Californians have come over to Nevada. We've seen surges in growth uh, in many, many states across the country. No different here in Vegas, we're growing, growing, growing. We eclipsed 70,000 unique veterans this past fiscal year. That's never happened here before. So you take that growth compounded by the uh, deferred care and then put those two together, you have a bit of a perfect storm. So the numbers, the days still, still reasonable. Um, you know, if you need to see a primary care doctor 
today and you're brand new, you just moved, you know, John just moves here from California, says, hey, I want to get in to see primary care. You're going to wait probably about 23 days, a few weeks. Not unreasonable. It's you know, not an urgent or emergent issue. If you're an established primary care patient, um, you know, you've been here and you need a return appointment, probably get you in with about six days. A little different for mental health. New patient, 13 days. Established patient, about five all the other services, uh, it'll, it, it varies a little bit, but on average about 12 days new and, and five days for established. So you talk about a little bit of the challenge with uh, the growing population here in Las Vegas, and it's a, it's a welcome challenge. You know, it's oh, something that I'm sure a lot of VAs across the country yeah. would probably wish they had that situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's kind of coupled with one of the challenges we have with, um, you know, keeping and retaining providers here in the sure, valley sure you know that's a, that's a challenge that's not a new challenge that's been something that's that's happened for a while um what are you seeing from you know with the unlv medical school opening and having kind of the, the first class of graduates right um you know coming from there are you seeing more opportunity for recruiting here yeah, very exciting you know to have uh, have the medical school graduate its first class it's not going to impact our uh, recruitment retention probably in the in the short term because they've got to go through internship residency and those types of things um, but still very very proud moment for the city we saw similar to the region and across the country the turnover rate the attrition rate you had a lot of providers um, that were either changing jobs uh, or were retiring early uh, covid you know took its toll on on folks where they if you were close to retirement and in the in the market had done has done pretty well throughout this pandemic. Uh, many of them reassessed their retirement plans and said, yeah, I think I'm, I'm good now and I'm gonna move on. So the attrition rate, that turnover rate, was higher than we'd ever seen here before. And it wasn't because of uh, discontent or, or you know, didn't wanna work here anymore or, or unhappy with employment here, just changes. And then the dollars that were flowing if you were a frontline provider with COVID, you could go anywhere and travel and make some pretty significant dollars because of the shortage of healthcare professionals out there in the country. So we had a higher turnover rate, but we also had the ability to hire in. So we didn't we didn't lose or gain a whole lot that first year into the pandemic. And now we've hit this upward trajectory, particularly our last few new employee orientations, we had over 40 people in them. So we're over 3,000 staff members strong uh, and continuing to grow to meet that demand uh, for access that I was talking about earlier. So on the on topic of access, you know, it, it seems like everybody that we have come in here and come on the show, everybody has a little piece to say about telehealth. Right. And, and how that has changed their, their practice, how that has changed how they relate to veterans. Um, how much is telehealth impacting from a from a top level, what we're doing here on a daily basis it is, it, are are those times shorter or longer because there's there's telehealth? Is how how's it working? Yeah, a, a mixed response to that. So, fortunately, VA flipping the switch and, and and turning the lever on expanding VA Video Connect or telehealth wasn't as big a leap for us as it was in the private sector because we were kind of the tip of the spear with telemedicine. So that wasn't too hard to, to flip the switch. The challenge has been finding the right ratio of face-to-face versus telehealth. Uh, mental health care looks like 50-50 is about the sweet spot. Um, primary care, we were running 50-50, but we were finding that veterans, they wanted to see their provider more. So we're swinging that pendulum 
80-20, 70-30, trying to find that right balance uh, there. The challenges with the scheduling system and that how we have to change those grids, those scheduling grids for our providers, that takes a little bit of time, and then it has a ripple effect throughout the schedule. So making that transition and swinging that pendulum from telehealth to face-to-face or face-to-face to telehealth does have a, a, a blip uh, impact on, on access. And, and the reason I was asking is, um, you know, we serve a relatively large area. Sure. Um, coming to a clinic or to the medical center or even out in, in Pahrump and Laughlin, that's, that's kind of a... Uh, for lack of a better term, a, a self-limiting thing, right? If yeah. somebody thinks, well, it's not that bad, I'm just going to stay home, they're not going to schedule an appointment and come in. Right. But now that there's telehealth, right. it, it, and you kind of alluded to it, that people can just pick up the phone yeah. and say, want an appointment? Yeah. I can do it right here from my house. So yeah. I, I was just curious as to how that's in, you know, has we we talked about how the 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 patient load has gone up and how many unique visits we've had and how many you know is that because telehealth is a thing now yeah the unique the number of unique veterans we're serving is uh, it doesn't matter whether they're seen face to face or telehealth they're, they're they're encountered and they're coming through the system so we know we're having growth in overall population the ease of a telehealth appointment uh, is is quite is, is quite simple, uh, and and it can rapidly get in. And in answer to your earlier question, you can access uh, faster numbers than what I articulated earlier uh, through VA Video Connect because we can use our clinical resource hub in San Francisco, for example, uh, or different uh, VAs out there at, at the drop of a of a dime, and then flip the switch on that. Face to face is the challenge here, of course, uh, with the limited amount of providers. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Mr. Karen to talk about some of our issues going forward in 2022. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Getting a flu shot helps us stay healthy so we don't miss out on what matters. Like that family movie night your daughter can't live without. (coughs) Yeah, can't do that. Every year, millions of people in the U.S. get the flu. Especially now, no one has time to miss out on moments that matter. So get your flu shot. Find out more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related health care news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. John and Josh here with Mr. Karen, the Executive Director of VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We are talking about 
recapping all of the things that happened in 2021 and looking forward to all the things that uh, 2022 are going to bring us. It, so it almost sounds like this is an end of the year show, John. Well, it is. You know, it's uh, <laughs> we did the end of the fiscal year, and now yeah. we're doing the end of the calendar year. Yeah, that's right. This so. is our last show until uh, after the new year. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get to the lunar, the lunar new year. Oh my, we'll do that too. Chinese New Year. Okay, well, we'll move along with the uh, <laughs> yeah. 2022. As we recognize January 2022 is fast approaching, yes. what are some of the priorities that you have in mind going forward? Uh, you know, one of the areas we, we've talked about access, and that's um, access leads to quality uh, and certainly the, the safety of our veterans as well. So that has to be uh, higher on our, on, on our list, is to make sure that we maintain and, and continue to improve upon access both via virtual care as well as face-to-face -face care. Uh, make sure our community care programs, our partnership with the community is going very well and we're able to coordinate that care, uh, reducing those times from when the consult is put into the actual scheduling of that of that veteran in the community. And, and of course, the, the challenges there is how's the access in the community, which has also been hamstrung with the, with the pandemic as well. So I'd say access is number one priority. Uh, the second priority is we want to continue to make sure that we always said our, our motto here was, you know, here every day is Veterans Day. Uh, and that speaks to the experience that our veterans have when they come to this healthcare system, whether it's in the clinics or getting the phone answered or seeing their providers and make sure that they feel valued um, and are in, in alignment with our eye care values. So the veteran experience and particularly related access, that's going to be our prime uh, directive for this next year. You know, with you know, December, a lot of times people think about family and they think about, you know, loved ones, friends. And, sure. you know, we also try to look at, you know, charity and, and giving and, um, you know, those less fortunate than us. And, right, right. you know, while we have done a great job in improving um, the statistics with regards to um, homeless veterans, mm -hmm. uh, we've, you know, maintained functional zero for going on a few years quite, now. Quite a few years, yeah. So, of course, functional zero meaning that, um, you know, there are there are resources available for any veterans out there who are homeless um, should they choose to accept those and you know we, we have a lot of programs out there to, to try to help reach out to those veterans right. um, but you know there's there have been a few changes this year with the pandemic they've been hit pretty hard and you know with the eviction moratorium being lifted hmm. you know mm -hmm. there are a lot of veterans who may be facing homelessness now right um, you know what kind of things is VA South Nevada healthcare system doing to to try to focus on those those issues and try to maintain that functional zero right right well we've not uh, we, we've assured that our transitional housing our relationship with uh, housing and urban development you know HUD bash and VA supportive housing is those contractual relationships are all in place and what has what got us to functional zero in the first place was a tremendous lift in effort towards collaboration with our community partners um, you know county and city alike so that we could number one identify in all work off of the same sheet of music, meaning the database as a veteran is identified and making sure that the community partners when they're when they're coming uh, working with someone who's homeless, finding out are they a veteran um, and making sure they know the definition of veteran and, and explaining that and then trying to get those um, get those loaded into the database so that we could follow up uh, appropriately. And as you said, if if a veteran is eligible for any type of VA supportive housing, functional zero means if they're eligible and they've got that we have access to those services for them. Some choose uh, not to participate in the program, and that's that's certainly the right of you know, every human being here. Um, 
but there the collaboration can't uh, cannot wane uh, or, or waver at this point in time especially with the moratorium uh, expiring Another clinical priority that the VA, uh, you know, the entire Department of Veteran Affairs has, has put in place um, for well before the pandemic was, you know, trying to end veteran suicide. Yes. Um, and it's it's something that is a constant battle. And, you know, we've been gaining ground. You know, we that number went from 22 veterans a day down to, I think it was 17 as of the last, mm-hmm. the last uh, survey that was done. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we're making headway, but we still have a long way to go. Sure. Um, you know, how do we continue to make improvements to, you know, win that battle against veteran suicide? Yeah, a, a national problem across the country and the pandemic has only made it uh, more acute. Uh, some of the things we're finding that had been successful and that the research is starting to bearing out is the the effectiveness of screening uh, where you're asking, asking again, asking a third time. Uh, so there's some, some very specific tools that are, social work, mental health, behavioral health providers, uh, and, and across the clinical provider staff that ask our veterans on a routine basis. Uh, and, and if any flags are triggered, then there's a, then there's processes in place to make sure that we continue to get those veterans to the services that they need. So it really is, I'd say, screening, 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 uh, asking, 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 using the tools that are, that are now in our toolbox. Uh, we've added several uh, over time, over the past few years, and, and I think that has showing some effectiveness as well. I do think access is a key component, as we talked about earlier, uh, to know that we talk about the routine access numbers that we were speaking about uh, in, the, in the broadcast here today, but any veteran has emergency room, emergency room, emergency department access, obviously, mm-hmm. and then if someone needs same-day access to the clinic, we have that. We have that access for people that are in a a distressed state, and of course the hotline, the crisis line that's out there. So the identification, the access, and then the screening uh, measures that we have in place, I think have have gone a long ways to serve our veterans. So looking at some of the services that that have really, you know, kind of shown through during the last year and a half Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, um, what what are some some special areas that you'd like to highlight or people that you'd like to recognize oh, for an exceptional yeah. well done? That's always hard because I'm going to forget someone and I'm going to feel bad after. Uh, I mean, it takes a village, number one, and we're over 3,000 strong. And there's no, there's no position that's um, more important than another. And, and that's why I always I start off the conversation that, that I have the least important role in the medical center. And I do feel that way because it's the front line, the people that are interacting with our veterans every single moment of every single day in a 24-7 operation running 365 days a year. Uh, we're not the same place that we were um, 12 years ago, uh, nine years ago. You know, think about it. We it was 2012 when the first inpatient was seen here. So fast forward nine, 10 years. Uh, holy moly, you know, from less than 1,000 staff to 3,000 staff, um, up to 70,000 unique veterans and being a 24-7, 365 operation, as I was mentioning. So everyone has a part in that. And, uh, you know, during the pandemic, your frontline providers, pulmonary critical care, infectious disease, emergency department providers, all the nurses associated with that care, critical care, as well, the respiratory therapists, uh, a really big part of that. How about our environmental management services, keeping this place clean, our infection prevention staff, our occupational health staff? Um, just the list goes on and on and on. There's truly, uh, 
there's truly no single area to highlight really we need to highlight the entire va southern nevada healthcare system um, whether even the administrative processes people still need to get paid through the pandemic that we're working so hard so it just doesn't doesn't end the onboarding the um you know the exiting and all those things that hr handles on day-to-day -day basis um what about you folks public affairs communications how critical was communication been throughout this pandemic every single day putting out a, a message to our staff uh running podcasts doing town halls for veterans and, and staff alike critically important you know and with all of the 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 patients that we're seeing that means we need more peoples to yeah. you know <laughs> we, we we say there's no one someone more important well we need lots more someones yes. to, to be in here yes well said um how much of a challenge is that to to find people you yeah. know we, we talk about kind of what um you know the 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 training programs here in the local area and things like that look right. like like how how hard is it to actually get the get people in here to 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 help so we don't get everybody overworked and overstressed yeah yeah i mean it varies depending on the the service lines and things you're, you're thinking about i was just reflecting the the chaplain services and mental health staff how critical they were during the pandemic just keeping everyone at ease and, and being supportive in those those times of loss telehealth we mentioned earlier so depending on on the specialty or or the the healthcare lane in general the healthcare providers have been really really challenging to recruit because of the shortage uh, out there here in the valley uh, and even across the country there's there's just not enough doctors and nurses um, to take care of everyone and you start seeing sign-on bonuses and hourly wages that have never been seen before for some of these frontline providers uh, you know, many are going to go make hay when the sun shines. Uh, so we, we've lost some of that. So it's been a challenge on the clinical side, particularly. We've had some success with hiring fairs and really those that are, are firmly rooted in the mission, either they're veterans themselves or close to family members or veterans, they tend to, to want to apply here um, to VA, which has been helpful. But it's been a challenge. Some of the administrative lanes, we thought we'd have uh, this huge turnout for those that just help with screening, um, very important job and uh, able to do some transporting functions and those things. And as many as we got, well, then other jobs will come available and they move on to those jobs. So as I mentioned earlier, the turnover rate has just been uh, mind boggling. Not alone in that, other facilities I've talked to, same thing, just a lot of transition turnover rate that has not been seen in years. But we're gaining ground, finally. It took... Uh, took a full year before we were pretty flat for that first year but now we're finally uh picking up some steam and gaining some fte so do you think that we are now kind of in a, a new normal like do you think that we are kind of you know prepared for whatever the new variant yeah. may be yeah uh, you know for whatever the the next particular vaccine might be but i mean do you think that we are now in a sustainable modality yeah i i do it's 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 going to be challenging for a while um that the tide is still uh, is still pretty high um but we're managing the waves a lot a, a lot better than we did on the, we, we know a lot more that, that we did in the past but at the end of the day we've treated infectious diseases before this is just another uh, disease a horrible one uh, in many respects and one that fooled us in the beginning uh, as, a, as a world, uh, but we're much better at it now. The flexibility, adaptability, the resiliency, the new processes in place to surge plan, to adjust, they're all there. It just takes good, um, good people that are committed to the mission, that wanna keep doing the great work that they're doing, and, and we'll be okay. Uh, 
you know, one veteran one day at a time. And it seems like kind of the concept of new normal changes <laughs> quite often. Well, because we had, you know, COVID, COVID became a thing, yep. you know, and then we had our normal of this is how we operate under COVID. Right. And then vaccines came out and numbers started to go down and we're like, here's Yay. the new normal. Yeah. And, and then Delta came and now we yeah. have a new, new normal. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what's it like having to constantly flex like that? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's exhausting. And I do feel particularly those frontline providers and the staff. I mean, everyone is feeling it regardless of your position in healthcare. And you hear about that nationwide, not just in VA. It's, it's a challenge, but you can't, you can't lose sight of the work we do that if we break it down into its most basic components, we're humans helping other humans, right? That, that's what we do here. And there's a science to that. There's a little bit of an art, but most of it's a uh, compassion and uh, helping your, your fellow uh, man, woman, and, and those that have served us. So, yeah, you flex, you adapt. It's exhausting. Uh, it's got some things have gotten easier. Some things have gotten frustrating. Uh, I, I think, you know, many of us are tired of, of you know, having the the conversations about masking and distancing, and and again playing Grinch this year for holiday gatherings. It was a great article today. Um, for those individuals in Spain. I mean, that wiped out sixty seven staff members that can't work for the mm-hmm. next uh, seven to ten days you know fortunately they're vaccinated and they're, they're not having a horrible experience with with the uh, coronavirus but they're uh, they're going to have to be uh, isolated and what an impact on on the healthcare system when you lose that many providers sure. so we're going to just keep one another safe and make the best of a uh, not a great poker hand <laughs> that we've been dealt uh, but we'll play it and and do it the best that we can you talked a little bit earlier about some of your priorities mm-hmm. for the New Year's, uh, and you talked a little bit about some of the, the challenges that you saw that, that we had uh, facing us. What's one thing, not necessarily something that's bad, yeah. um, but what's one thing that as we go into the New Year that you look at that you think that we need to do better? Uh, do better. Um, after going through, what, 22 months in, you touched on this earlier. I, I think a lot of people are just, they're tired. Um, so I want to make sure that we support one another, give one another the time to break away, whether it's to take leave. Um, we're all so committed sometimes, uh, committed to a fault uh, where we become almost martyrs in the sense that you just want to work, 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 just be there, be there, be there, be there, but you have to de- disconnect. If you're not hundred percent whole as a as a self you're not going to be able to give a hundred percent to our veterans um, so it's hard for me uh, even in my own life to you got to disconnect rely on your brothers and sisters that are there with you to try and take care of veterans so that's a big ask for this next year we said we're going to continue to communicate well you know town halls for our veterans town halls for our staff uh, celebrate the achievements that we've had but make sure that we're giving one another a break lift one another up uh, I think people do need to um, recharge. And something that I find interesting about that is because we we have metrics here internally that we use the, you know, surveys of yep. our employees and things like that. Yep. And and you're right. 
like like I'm exhausted. I'm yeah. tired. I'm so over this man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I'm ready to be done with this. Yeah. But then you look at the some of those internal numbers and people's happiness with working here yeah, is good. going up. Yep. And, and, and there's some places where, you know, people are stressed and, and sure. that shows in the numbers. But you look at a lot of the uh, the the general overall trend in those numbers is is upwards, which right. I find interesting when <laughs> you talk about how tired and like I feel it, too. Yeah. That, but you yeah. talk about how t- how tired everybody is and how exhausted everybody is. But then when you look at those numbers, they they go up. Yeah. There's a lot of pride in, in the team. And I think this the pandemic really forces you to to work together you don't have a choice and I, I was i was glad that va allowed people to carry over if you hit your maximum uh leave you you're, you know typically you'd use it or you'd lose it at the end of, the, of a fiscal year or calendar year and va throughout the pandemic has allowed people to carry the you know those hours over knowing that some have been stressed where they just couldn't take time off so as much as I'm, I'm happy that VA has done that, I don't want it to be that way. I, I need people to recharge, take their leave, do what they need to do. And in order to do that, we need staff, as we talked about. So we keep recruiting some tremendous job, uh, both with HR, our education, newcomers orientation, making sure that we could still distance people um, and, and keep everyone safe, but still have these large onboarding events um, for new orientation, uh, bigger than we've seen in the past, because we said it's critical that we grow some of the staffing here. And it seems like we have a NEO every week now. It used to be every two weeks <laughs> yeah. or once every three weeks, and now it seems like there's one every week. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're staying committed to the every other week right now. Um, you can bring on some critical staffing uh, in between pay periods as needed. Uh, but yeah, I think the past three have been over 40 people, <laughs> uh, which is tremendous. Uh, so if we can keep our turnover in check and things uh, hopefully stabilize, add the staff that we need and make sure that we can carry on. It, there is a new normal that, that John spoke about earlier. We're going to have COVID inpatients uh, probably for a long time. Might be a few, might be 10, 15, 20 at times, but that's just the reality. Uh, it's an, it, it's a, a veteran who is sick with an infectious disease that we know how to manage and we'll manage it. And as you said before, you know, vigilance for, for those of us, you know, those yeah. employees here, vigilance is key. You know, we saw yeah. an example of what happened when, when some staff members, you know, at another facility decided not to be as vigilant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's all preventable. You know, we wear masks. We work at a healthcare yeah, facility. It. Yeah, it's not comfortable. Don't yeah. enjoy it. But that's, uh, that's what you got to do. So we'll, we'll do what's right. Uh, and, and doing what's right is the most important thing. I think we've been transparent. We've been communicative. Uh, what we don't know, we say we don't know. What we do know, we try and advise. Uh, we're trying to listen to the front line, saying, what do you need? Because my job, really, at the end of the day, is give you the tools that you need to succeed and, and be that uh, conduit between what's going on politically and VA central office and the vision and make sure that we're aligned strategically and then press forward from there. Well, we appreciate you doing that. We appreciate you joining us today. And, we, you know, we appreciate the leadership that you've shown over the last year and a half because yeah. it's, you know, it's really made the difference between having a, a, you know, a place where we can come to work every day and, and feel safe and feel like we are, you know, accomplishing something important. So, yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and, of course, as I mentioned earlier, for uh, everyone listening out there, um, we do still have vaccines available for both the initial series and for booster shots. And we are still doing the, the flu vaccination. However, things are changing a little bit. Um, we are moving back from the auditorium to the conference room 1 Alpha 139. 
Uh, that is the conference room just outside the east entrance. Uh, so if you're walking in through the east entrance, go ahead and take a right. It's that first conference room right next to the pulmonary clinic. Um, they're going to be moving the operations back over there as of Monday, December 13th. Uh, in addition, the employee testing site is going to be moving. So tentatively at the moment, it is scheduled to be moved to uh, 1 Bravo 117, I believe, which is across from the old occupational health clinic. So that could change. Make sure you stay tuned to your daily updates that come out every day. They'll give you the most up-to-date information on where those are being moved. So, Mr. Karen, thank you again for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. And uh, we will see everyone else in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash lasvegasva. Thanks for listening.